you know, I, I was so tired of the, I was tired the second think piece that I read of it, you know, back the day after the election, mm-hmm. uh, talking about what great art this was going to bring. <laughs> uh, <sighs> yeah. Has it? And I was, well, it's so sporadic. But it's the kind of thing that this great art might have arisen from uh, a variety of, like, this could have this could have happened on timeline A or timeline B. Mm-hmm. Um, it's happening to happen now. But it, a quick example is is um, is the new Super Chunk album. Mm-hmm. It came out a couple months ago. That's a great political rep- record, and I don't think that record happens without Trumpian frustration. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it it, it happens, uh, but I mean, what a just pithy nothing take to have about how some unfortunate happening. Yeah, look on the bright side. In, yeah, in the greater world is, is oh, we're going to get some good art. Well, it's Pollyanna, you know. It's like, I don't know. I, I know, I mean, I know artists are always responding to something, but if you're, if what if Trump is what it takes for you to create great art, then you're not a great artist, I don't think. Exactly. That's, a, it's such an, um, like an art school cliche that you need this kind of, extraordinary pain or suffering yeah to dr- to draw out great art right in total and like totally ignore um the fact that that wonderful writing and painting and music comes from meditation and calm and joy right uh you know just this idea that you have to be forged in a fire to be interesting. Yeah, I, th- I think the artistic pursuit itself has to be painful. Uh, Which it will be, naturally. Right, like learning to play guitar really well is going to take a lot of work, you know, or to well, paint a canvas and, or whatever it is. Um, and the struggle is natural, especially given capitalism. Yeah, right. Uh, because if you want to do that for a living, it's going to be hard. Yeah. Uh, so there's struggle there, but you don't have to, you know, have had a lifetime movie for a life. Yeah, exactly. To like, you know, write a novella right. about, a, I don't know, a frog and his tadpole son. I mean, I don't think it hurts, right? Like, I, I'm i sort of of two minds. Like, I do think that pain um, can be mined for really great stuff. Oh, sure. I don't disagree with that at all. And a lot of the really good stuff is connected to that. But to, it just well, seems like such a cynical reaction to the election, you know? Yes, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm one of those people that uh, I realize what a you know just a dumb trivial thing it is to say, but there are a ton of bands that 
once I know that the lead singer got clean or got happy, I was just like, well, the music's not going to be as good. And a lot of times it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> but, you know, I'm happier for them. Right. Uh, but, you know, it's an acknowledgement that um, pain and struggling and darkness and it has value of its own mm-hmm. um, that there is a lot to be learned and understood and, and taken as its own kind of harsh beauty. Yeah. But so, so I'm not trying to argue against uh, that as an aesthetic um, canvas, but uh, just that, yeah, exactly. It was that that was, some kind of reaction to our current political realities and that it's still happening. That's still the really shallow positivity that I see from a lot of people that I consider to be more clever than that. But I think a lot of it has got to be uh, that they're just tired, that they're burned out. And yeah, Here's my thing. <clears throat> Here's my thing with Trump, his election, and art. I believe that at its best, art is revealing something beyond itself, right? Um, mm-hmm. And beyond the artist. Like, art that is like a pure revelation about the artist is like not that interesting, I don't think. But <clears throat> when it point be, when it points beyond itself to <clears throat> a greater truth or reveals something to us that we otherwise wouldn't have encountered, that's when it really attains um, attains the heights of what what an artistic uh, endeavor can be. Mm. And the reason <clears throat> the reason that Trump. Trump's election isn't going to help that out. It's because Trump's election is the ultimate, is the ultimate apocalyptic revelation about our society. So right. art this is, is not going to. This is exactly who we are. Art can't stand on, or or apply to, the apocalypse. You know. <laughs> I mean, there's a total uncovering that, like art, I don't think has a chance in the face of. Um, because it's, because the election of Trump, his behavior, the behavior of Congress, you know, the way that people have responded, um, has been so revelatory and continues to be revelatory every day, um, about the shaky foundations of our founding documents and, you know, capitalism and, the piss poor opposition party that we have in this country. And, you know, <clears throat> I, I think that for art to try to tackle that, it's, it's like, it can't help but be small. Um, sure. And so I don't really see it as, I don't really, you know, I, I mean, art, art had a chance before all this shit broke open and it wasn't, it wasn't helping to break anything open and so it you know and or maybe it was held down by you know 
capital or the sort of binding well, of society around properties like Marvel or whatever, you know, I mean, the, the ability for art to find those cracks was really diminished. And, um, now there aren't any cracks. <laughs> There's like chasm. Yeah. You know? Well, that's, so you know, that's what I fall into the chasm. Well, that's what I was going to ask you is if, if there's a, a primary function of art to to do some uncovering, uh, but there's just been a wholesale like the the blanket has been flung back, and it is all uncovered. Mm-hmm. Then what is the role of art in that moment? I, th- I think you tapped into something when you said it's got to be small. Um, it'll have to go back to the very base human things that we've been trying to uncover for as long as we've been human. Mm-hmm. Um, I think art can still work there, but what's the role of art like as a wide scale revealer, if all is revealed? Well, I, I mean, I don't think, I mean, I want to make a caveat that I don't think everything everything is revealed about, you know, human nature and the mystery of existence. No, 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 no. I mean, no, I, uh, uh, sorry. Uh, let me, you know, just give a little bit of context, but just our American moment. Uh If the, if the, you know, if the covering has been thrown off and it is, this is what America is. This is what, this is the system we set up when we started, you know, when we came over here and killed a bunch of folks and started this place, if this is it, um, and we're, and everybody can see it clear as day, mm-hmm. what does the artist do? Well, that? I mean, you can run a counter narrative, right? Like this isn't who we are. There are truths mm-hmm. that haven't been revealed that are, you know, sublimated now because uh, we're in this crisis all the time. <clears throat> so I think that you can draw attention to that. But more powerful than that, I think, would be to, I mean, would also be to just say, yes, <laughs> this <laughs> is how it is. This is how it has yep. been, you know, um, to take the opportunity rather than as a resistor or whatever to sort of prophetically exclaim that, you know, we've done this to ourselves. Um, I think that takes more guts than being a part of the resistance. I agree. And I think it, I ask you because I think that there are two, two legit paths, uh, that come out of that, um, ways to respond. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess what I mean, you know, just to broaden it, because I know not everybody's going to consider themselves an artist, but for the people who want to put a thing into the world, mm-hmm. um, or that is their vocation or their calling, their sense of self to do that. Um, I think at that moment, at that revelatory moment, you've got a couple of options. And one is to bail and go be a hermit. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think is a legit option uh, to go and if you, if you do it the right way or for the right reasons, but to go, I, you know, I'm thinking of the true hermetic life um, to go and to meditate 
and to reach beyond you know the crumbling system what's that is that an artistic choice i think it can be if the caveat i guess would have to be that there would have to be a return i mean how do you share what you generate I don't know. I mean, I guess that. I guess then you're putting yourself in the position of, say, the Desert Fathers, right? Mm-hmm. To draw something out of the solitary. Yeah. To draw some divinity out of the solitary and then report back. Well, and that's what I mean. That's what Camus is getting after in um, the artist at work. Uh, mm. That he. I mean, spoiler alert, I guess, on Al Gore Camus. But um, <laughs> at the end of the story, but I mean, he retreats and retreats and retreats until he's like in a dark closet that he's constructed for himself and um, has retreated from all his friends, retreated from critics, retreated from the art world um, to the point where he finally is solitary and that's where he finds solidarity with with his community or with mm. the world I guess maybe with his art um but I don't I th- I you know I think I do think that if if he's going to um that there has to be a return yeah there has to be a you know he has to come back and sort of share what he learned um which is why I think the second legitimate path if the first is to to retreat for what we can, I guess, call the proper reasons. I don't know if that holds water or not, but uh, or to withdraw. But the other is to engage, but not on this shallow level that you know is hashtag resistance. Uh, yeah, it it's true communion right Mm, yeah sure that's that's the other response is to be in such deep communion with the incarnatedness of every living breathing being around you that uh, your very life becomes some kind of artistic response yeah yeah so that makes me want to read this story that i read on twitter Go ahead. Uh, So I'm going to go ahead and read it here. So there's a little story I've been meaning to tell. It isn't funny or anything. It's not one of those stories. It's just something that happened, something that altered me in a small way. And I've wanted to talk about this thing, but I couldn't see a way, not without revealing things I wouldn't normally choose to reveal. You'll see what I mean. But I've been thinking about it, and it seems important enough, again, in a very small way for me to set aside my reservations just this once. This is a lot of throat clearing, I know, but again, you'll see what I mean. There are reasons. So, I was in New York a couple weeks ago, and I left a meeting to go get a coffee. Not a killer opening, but I did warn you. It's not that kind of story. I got the coffee in some deli on 8th Avenue, and as I was coming out, a homeless guy caught my eye. You help me out, brother? Now, this is the first thing I didn't want to talk about. We all help out when we can and when we don't talk about it. That's kind of how it works. But there was something different about this and about him. 
I don't mean something that made him especially deserving of sympathy. That's an abhorrent notion. His need made him deserving of sympathy. I'm no ethicist, but I don't think that's, a, that's subject to qualification. What I mean is that I liked this guy. That's all. I liked him immediately, and for a moment it was as if, and I know this sounds like some piss-warm little homily, it was as if we were friends who had run into each other under mildly embarrassing circumstances. You help me out, he said again. I just got to catch a bus. So I said, sure. And I tried to get my wallet out, and this is where things got interesting because I was holding not just a big deli bag full of coffee, but also my stick. And this is the other thing I didn't want to talk about. I do use a stick, but it's not something I would normally mention. I mean, first, who doesn't use sticks in some capacity? It's kind of basic stuff when you're a primate. It's tool use. But also, the stick tends to arouse sympathy, which I don't want at the best of times, and which I especially don't want in the context of this story. But unfortunately, the stick turns out to be a key plot point. So I started fumbling, and the guy said, Help you out? Would you, I said. That'd be great. Then he held the deli bag while I fussed with my wallet and handed it back when I passed him the money. Thanks, man. Great, thanks. I had to get a lot of coffee. And then he noticed what I'd given him, and this is the really difficult part. It doesn't matter how much it was, and I realized that it's obscene even to hint at that, but the story doesn't make sense unless you can figure out that it was more than he was expecting. So let's just say that. Let's just say that it was more than he was expecting. Oh, man, he said. No, really, just, I was embarrassed. And he wanted to do something, to make a gesture. Because it wasn't really about the money, it was about the moment, how funny it was. He wanted to give me something. Not something in return, but something. He grasped my shoulder, and I tried to grasp his, but it was super clunky move, because at this point I was holding the bag and the stick again. Hey, let me, very gently, he took a hold of the stick, let me get that for you. Then he held the stick, cradled it really like it was a scepter or something, and held up his fist for a bump. God bless you, man, he said, passing the stick back. Be at peace. I will, I said. I am, I think. I am at peace. And that was it. We told each other to take care, and we said goodbye, but like I said, something had happened, and for days after, I tried to work out what it was. And what it comes down to, I think, has to do with the nature of kindness, with the properties of kindness. The first of these is that it's a communicative property. Acts of kindness are acts of human affirmation, and as such, they are inherently reciprocal. But it's not just that. Kindness is also generative. It's not a transition that makes you, or, or not, not a transaction that makes you feel better but an interaction that gives rise to something that belongs to no one. It is an increment of love, an event that minutely ramifies our understanding of human dignity. And that's all. That's the story. And it's a story from which I badly want to eradicate myself because it isn't about me. Be kind when you can. We're running out of time and can no longer be saved, but there are possibilities even now that we don't fully understand. Be kind. Let him hold what you're carrying and take his hand when he offers it. See him and let him see you. There are no miracles, but there are surviving forms of grace. And you know what? Maybe carry a stick, even if you don't need one. Take care. 
So that was by someone whose name I can't pronounce. (laughs) 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 Just let me see if I can... Paraic? Paraic O'Donnell? I know. I tried to figure it out, too. Paraic? Paraic O'Donnell? I don't know. P-A-R-I-A-C. O apostrophe D-O-N-N-E-L-L on Twitter. And uh, that just really hit me the other day. I could barely read it without crying, actually. And um, I think that there's so much there about what we can do. Not very, not very many of us can become hermits. Um, maybe we can sort of strike our hermetic pose in the way we interact with what social media or whatever. But I do think that we can um, become a little bit more vulnerable to each other and um, rather than rather than resisting each other or, you know, becoming defensive toward our neighbors, we can show a little more kindness and, um, you know, and allow other people to be kind to us. That's the really, the main thing. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, I really think that that little piece of art shows us a lot about who we are and who we can be. Which is the, it's the only path that makes sense to me. I mean, I, I, I don't want to place some kind of larger, you know, even though I think there are larger implications, even cosmic ones, surrounding those ideas I don't I don't for me that is the only way that I see through getting through anything right now yeah um that's how you respond to the Waffle House shooting yeah right that's how you know how bad I've wanted to go to Waffle House and just like sit with people yeah yeah I mean, I mean, just to be at a Waffle House seems important. Um, well, that's because it's that place is as communal as some kind of restaurant can get. I mean, yeah, and the fact cool. that it's like the fact that it's like this chain restaurant that's everywhere. Right. It's it's a leveling field. Right. Um, you know, like when when i go in there everybody's there's no pretense yeah exactly um you know you're going in there for like good food that's cheap and maybe it's cuz you're drunk maybe it's cuz you've been on the road all night maybe yeah. it's because but it's just like but it is a limited list of things right you know? and it's and at that moment no one's better than anybody else in there it is um I mean, it really is an equalizer of a, of a place. It's, it's neutral ground. So for there to be intrusion on a space like that, um, 
it's kind of the same way that I would feel like if there was some, if this happened in the public library or at the YMCA or, you know, you think about these public spaces that, um, just don't feel very exclusory. Mm -hmm. Even though Waffle House being a business, there is that it's not like totally open. You have to go in and buy something, but right. Most people can from a Waffle House. Like if you can afford to get a meal somewhere, you can probably get a meal there. And so a cup of coffee, you know, it's right. Starbucks. Yeah. So like, I think that's not only was the shooting itself just so heinous and devastating and violent and, but it was like, I don't know. I mean, it felt like there were, there was automatically some more solidarity because it was like, yeah, I mean, could have been me on that. Um, if it was a different weekend. Yeah. That's a place I go. I mean, it's, it had that quality to it. Um, So there was automatically a sense of community with, with the victims and, um, and it being here and in a town where I live and where you have lived is, uh, it's awful, but it's balanced by moments. And like I had this past Sunday when I was fortunate enough to go sit with the friends um, here in town and Which those friends? are the, Matt. Uh, the, the, uh-huh. Yeah. Matt. <laughs> uh, the, I went and sat with the Quakers. Oh, the Quakers. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. The Quakers, the, the friends, the friends, capital T. The friends. And, uh, and that experience was revelatory in its own way. Yeah. Um, but for that reason, right. uh, for what the story highlights, right. um, that we can sit and be at peace with one another in silence or in small talk, yeah. Um, afterwards, you know. So it there seem to be two defined paths, and uh-huh. um. I feel more and more urgency to pick one. Well, I want to say something about those desert fathers though. And that is that they were in deep communion with, with the communities that supported them. That's true. I mean, that's true. I don't, they, they live out in the desert and live simply and fasted and all that stuff. But like there was a community not that far away, like in town that was like sending them water and food. (laughs) Well, that's, that's praying even, for them that's, and celebrating communion for them and all these different, you know, going and visiting them. And they really saw them as like doing work that they couldn't do on behalf of the community. It wasn't like an individual uh, choice to go live in the desert. It was something you right, did yeah. because you were part of the body of Christ, not because like you felt like it would make you a better, what, a fucking Googler or whatever. <laughs> like 
you know, to go meditate in the desert. Like that's not what right. that's not what right. contempt the contemplative life is about. It's not about being no. A you're totally right. Uh, a more it, it is worker. It is not isolationist in any way. It yeah. is. Um, I mean, it's communal at its heart, right? Because it is about learning how to pray and be in communion with God as easily as you breathe. Yeah, I mean, you want to you go out there to be in communion with the fucking source of existence. Right. You know, <laughs> and that's going to bring you closer so. to those people in town who you don't see anymore. Um, so if that's the reason, I mean, if that's the, if that's the reason that you become a hermit, there's a lot of legitimacy in that, I think. Um, but if you do it just to try to escape the moment or be non-political or whatever, I don't, well, then I don't see that as an option. No, because that's a pipe dream at that point. Right. To want to be removed from the connectedness of social life. I mean, yeah. that's good luck. Yeah. <laughs>